You know, the outreach conference is a time of equipping as well as a time of encouraging and pushing. And we've invested a lot in that. In fact, we think every individual that walks in the doors of Grace Bible Church should be equipped to be able to share Jesus Christ. And so last year, we brought in Randy Newman to help out and gave out books. This year, we're bringing in Tony Evans tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And we have a book for you in your household. So it's one book per household. You can pick it up in the commons afterwards on your way out. And I encourage you to come back tomorrow. But as we thought about how do we equip our church to follow Christ faithfully, we wanted to see who was following Christ faithfully over years without compromise so that he could do and be a part of more than even he probably planned. It was a no-brainer for us to bring up Pastor Chris Simmons from Cornerstone Baptist Church. Uh, He will share and challenge us today, but he will also share how you can be a part of what God's already doing, because what better place is there to be? If you would, please welcome Pastor Chris Simmons. Thank you so very much, Brother Kevin. It is certainly a joy to uh, be with you today, and um, really an honor after over a year to speak to a a live audience. So we count that a privilege. A couple of our members have tuned in uh, over this weekend, and they have sent a text and said, Chris, now, uh, Pastor Andy gave you an opportunity to share with the congregation three times, and we hope that when you come back, you can learn how to do all of that within an hour like they do. It really doesn't take two hours. (laughs) So, thank you so very much. I had a joy of a couple of years ago on a trip to Washington, D.C., to meet Pastor Andy, and I'll share then a little bit about what we were trying to do uh, over the last 32 years in South Dallas to bring hope and light in the midst of a community that is certainly uh, struggling. And um, he came back and made a commitment that he would come and see uh, what we were doing in South Dallas, Fair Park area. And um, we're so grateful and so humbled and appreciative of the number of individuals from Grace that he has really gotten involved and plugged in, and even over a few years have had a tremendous impact of making a difference in that particular neighborhood. So I wanna thank you, Grace, and certainly not surprised after hearing from Kevin this weekend and knowing the work of Grace that uh, outreach and missions is really within the DNA uh, of this particular church. And so we thank you, thank you, thank you so much for allowing Cornerstone to be a part of all the marvelous things in which you're doing, not only here in the DFW area, but reaching uh, beyond across the globe to share God's love with many individuals. Let us pray. Father, thank you so very much for this opportunity to come on today to share uh, from the truth of your word. And we pray, God, that you would use your word to inspire and challenge and motivate us to be more engaged in, uh, in your work and to make a kingdom impact. Bless this time together, for we uh, look to you to be our preacher. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we want to involve, encourage you to join with us in the book of Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah chapter 29, the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. And out of Jeremiah chapter 29, we want to talk from the subject, a challenge to make a difference where you are. A challenge to make a difference where you are. A challenge 
to make a difference. God has placed us all where he has placed us for the purpose of us making a difference in the lives of others around us. And so out of Jeremiah chapter uh, 29, we want to talk a little bit about that. As we look at the book of Jeremiah, the people of God in the book of Jeremiah are in a bad situation. They have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and literally have been dragged off to a foreign land in Babylon. This is in line with what God had promised them early on in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28 through 30, where he promised them that as long as they were in line with doing what God required for them to do, that he would bless them. He would bless them as they would come, as they would go. He would bless their families. He would make them the head and not the tail. He would bless them as they, in so many ways. But he also promised that if they did not do what he instructed them to do, that judgment would come. Instead of being the head, they would be the tail. Instead of being the lender, they would be the borrower. Instead of being one who was blessed by God, they would experience the curses of God. Over years, Israel began to move away from God. They began to ignore God. And as a result, they found themselves experiencing the curses of God. In the book of Jeremiah, they are in Babylon, a strange, ungodly environment. They are in a land where they are not familiar with the culture. They are not familiar with the gods. They are not familiar with the food. They are in a strange land. It is a hard, it is a difficult, it is a troublesome circumstance in which they find themselves. Their backs are literally against the wall. And they don't know how long they're going to be in this situation. It is in the midst of this situation that Jeremiah writes to encourage, to instruct these, uh, these people of God, the people of God, to make a difference where they are, to make a difference where they are. He writes a letter. He writes a letter to give instruction. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1, he says, this is the text of the letter the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He goes on, he says to them that the fact that you are in this circumstance and situation and trouble is part of God's divine plan. It is part of God's divine plan. This did not take God by surprise. In fact, he says, verse 4, this is what the Lord, the God Almighty, the, the, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those that I carried into exile. You are in this particular plight. You are in this particular situation because I placed you there. 
It is not by accident. It is by divine plan that you are exactly where God wants you to be. Because there is not only something God is trying to teach you, there is something God wants you to do where he has placed you to be. What, what does he tell these exiles? What does he tell these individuals to do where they've been planted? He tells them, first of all, you are to engage in everyday life in the culture where you are. Notice verse 5, you are to build houses and settle down. And the word around town was they had believed that they would not be there that long. In two years, they thought that, 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 that they would be out of Babylon, that they could go back home to Jerusalem, that they could go back and pick up business as usual. So in their minds, they thought there's no need to get comfortable here, no need to make any plans here long term because we are only here for a short time. But you know what Jeremiah says? No need to rent an Airbnb in Jerusalem, in Babylon, because you're going to be in Babylon for a while. Build houses, because that takes time, and you're going to have time. Not only build houses, he tells them, but he tells them to plant gardens, and those of you who know about gardening knows that it takes time to plant the seed, to water the seed, to give the seed a time to grow. He, he says, go out and plant a garden and eat what is produced because you're going to be there for a while. Another thing he tells them, engage in courtship and marriage. Go out, verse 6, marry, have sons and daughters. Engaged in courtship and marriage. But not only that, you're going to be there because it's going to take time to, 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 go, to, to go to plentyoffish.com to find the right spouse just for you. And, and so as you go out and you marry and have sons and daughters, it, you're going to be there so long. You're going to have time for your children to grow up. And as your children grow up, they're going to see how you raise your children and even how you impact the lives of your grandchildren. You're going to be there for generations. So find wives and sons and give them to your daughters so that they too might have children. He challenges them not to be isolated from the environment where they are, but to integrate. It is so easy for us to not want to get involved in the lives of the world around us. And what, what, what Jeremiah is instructed to write, that you are challenged by God to integrate so that the Babylonians know what it looks like when, when the people of God build houses. The Babylonians know what it looks like when the people of God go to Walmart. The, people, the Babylonians know what it looks like when the people of God get married and raise their families. He wants you to have an influence in the lives of the culture 
around you. Because what God is after is killing two birds with one stone. Because not only am I judging my people, Israel, for not listening to my voice, but I'm providing an opportunity for the Babylonians to see what it looks like when the people of God engage in everyday life. Isn't that what God is calling you and I as the church to do? To impact the world around us. So your neighbors begin to see What does it look like when the people of God live in our community? Not isolation, but I want to integrate you into a very ungodly society so that your influence will make an impact. Hearing Brother Kevin's report of the ways in which grace is serving the city, that's what it's all about. Union Gospel Mission. Impacting the lives of unborn, of of pregnant parents. Impacting elementary schools. A way of integrating into our Babylonian city, which for the sake of argument, we'll call Dallas, that desperately needs to know of God's love. You see what he says to them? Integrate. Because what I want you to do, verse 7, is I want you to be about seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I, again, divine appointment, I called you there. The word peace is the word shalom. And shalom means bring about harmony, bring about wholeness, bring about completeness, bring about tranquility. And we live in a world where there is so much division, so much chaos, so much confusion. All you have to do is turn on your television and watch five minutes of the nightly news. But I am calling you to seek something different in that environment. You know what in essence he tells these individuals who are exiled to Jerusalem? He tells them in essence, I want you to leave Babylon better than you found it. I want you to leave Babylon better than you found it. The Babylonians only know to do what Babylonians do. But because you are there engaging in the everyday life of 
the Babylonians, they get a chance to see something different in order that your influence can touch and transform that city. You got to seek it. And you can't seek it at home, isolated, saying, I don't want to get engaged. I don't want to be involved. You've got to move beyond your comfort zone. And I have pushed you out of Jerusalem, your comfort zone, to Babylon, a place of uncomfortableness, in order that you could have an influence. I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. I know it's not going to be easy. I know there are going to be challenges. I know you're going to get a lot of backlash. I know sometimes you're going to feel like giving up. I know sometimes you want to feel like throwing in the towel and wondering, is it really worth it? Am I really making a difference? But, but what he wants to encourage these exiles that are in the midst of this tough situation is to remind them that you're not in this thing by yourself. You don't have to depend only on your resources. And so as a result of that, he says, as you go about seeking the peace and the prosperity of that city, notice, pray. Because prayer will unleash the resources of heaven. Pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord for that city. How many times have we made praying for our city a priority? So easy to criticize all that's going on in our world, to give, comment, give commentary of all that's going on in our world, to, pay, to, to post on Facebook our feelings about our world, but you know what Jeremiah challenges these exiles to do? Pray. Because there are certain things as we are about engaging in the lives of those around us, it takes the movement of God to change the hearts and the minds of mankind. Pray. Pray to the Lord. Because as you pray to the Lord and you begin to work in the midst of this ungodly environment, it'll be a win-win situation. You'll think that you were just going to help the Babylonians. But you know what will happen? You will find that you were helped more than the Babylonians. And that's one of the interesting things about outreach and going and giving of yourselves is you think you're going to help others. But as a result of going to help others, you, you are the recipient of the blessing because you find yourself in a situation that you, you were more blessed by moving beyond your comfort zone and touching the lives 
of others. If it prospers, you too will prosper. We recognize that it's no easy task. It's no easy task and many were telling them, you won't be here long. In fact, they were looking for individuals that would agree with them that this will soon pass, pass. But Jeremiah writes to these, to these exiles, and he says to them, verse 8, yes, this is what the Lord, the Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams, uh, the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They're telling you that it will be short-lived and it will be over. But you know what? Uh, uh, Jeremiah is instructed to let these exiles know you, you got plenty of time. God has given you time to make an influence in the lives of others. In their case, verse 10, this is what the Lord, the Lord says. You're going to be there 70 years. You're going to be there for a while. So use your time wisely to impact the lives of others. As you are engaging, as you are engaging in the needs of those around you, as you are touching those who are hurting, even in the midst of an ungodly society that rejects you, Jeremiah lets these exiles know that God will use you and God will ultimately bring about a change and a revival in the midst of an ungodly environment. Listen what he says. As you're going through what you're going through, recognize, verse 11, that I know what I'm doing. You're not here by mistake. It is not by accident. Because verse 11 says, is I have plans for you. And the plan is to prosper, to bless not only you, but to provide an opportunity for even the Babylonians to make a change in their lives. Because they see something different through you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Revival, see how revival will take place. Then you will call on me and you will come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you declares the Lord and I will bring you back from captivity I'll bring you back and I will gather you from all the nation from all the nations and places where I've banished you declares the Lord and bring you to this place from which I've carried you into exile I will bring about revival a change but as I bring you back, 
There is something different that's going to be going on in Babylon. They will talk about how those exiles influenced us. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for us to move beyond our comfort zone, build houses, plant gardens, marry, raise your family. Be about influencing and letting those around you see something different. Seek peace. Don't isolate. Leave Babylon better than you found it. Pray to me. I will direct you. And eventually, I will bring about revival in that ungodly city. That's been this passage, along with others, has been a motivating factor behind what we do as a church in the inner city community of South Dallas Fair Park. We serve in a neighborhood where the average household income is less than $18,000 a year. 98% of the children don't have a dad in the home. 56% of grandparents are raising at least one grandchild. The elementary school, 417 children, 111 are homeless. Great, great need, great need. But yet God has called our church along with churches like Grace who partner with us to serve in a community influenced by Babylonian thought to make a difference. And really the challenge before us is how can we continue to engage to serve our community and to serve our community well? Little presentation will show you through this efforts of ways in which you might engage. In fact, many of members of Grace are already engaging, providing clothes and a shower for people who are in need. Individuals who don't feel good about themselves oftentimes don't do good. And so we've put in a clothing closet where we could collect clothes uh, to share with those who are in need. And while I'm there, I'll make a plug for uh, the need for donated men clothes. The devil has oftentimes confused men to thinking that they're going to be back to the size they were in high school. <laughs> Trust me, you won't get there. <laughs> but a place where you can donate clothes that can, go, can be used as an avenue to touch the lives of others, where individuals come and get a change of clothes, but also get cleaned up. Next slide, a bike shop of 
since we don't have men in the community, children, when they, lose, when they have a flat tire or a broken chain, they have no way to fix their bikes. And so we put in a bike shop. Not only can uh, children come and learn how to fix their bikes, uh, but adults can come and earn a bike so they can ride their bikes to work or, 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 or get a job delivering items downtown on their bikes. So if you have bikes sitting around in the garage taking up space and you're looking for a place to put them, there's a bike shop. Next slide. Cornerstone Center of Economic Opportunity. We recognized in our neighborhood there were individuals that had gifts and talents that were untapped. We call them, they were initially entrepreneurs, and our goal was to help them to become entrepreneurs. And so working with uh, Pastor Andy, he was able to get men from your church like Chris Jones and Greg Lamb and David Call and some others to come to, alongside to uh, help us to uh, develop a plan and an organization, the Cornerstone Center of Economic Opportunity that works with individuals in that community. Many of them have depended on subsidies from the government to live, but they're developing their talents and gifts so that they can become business owners. And so the Center of Economic Opportunity is a way that businessmen can help mentor potential business owners. Lady from your church, Linda, is working with residents on how to do QuickBooks so that they can have the financial accounting for their business. In fact, realizing that many that we were working with wanted to go into the food business, we, this past weekend, uh, uh, this past week, purchased a restaurant. And so those who might have business experience in working in restaurants, we need you. Because I told Pastor Andy, we purchased a restaurant, but in seminary I missed the class, how to run a restaurant 101. <laughs> so we need individuals who can help. Next slide. The kitchen. Many members of your church help us to feed the homeless and those who are needy in our neighborhood. We're serving 13,000 meals a week. I'm sorry, a month. 13,000 meals a month to the homeless and indigent. And a couple of weeks ago, when we were hit by the winter storms, we went from serving 13,000 meals a month to 10,000 meals a day, because the need was so great. And so volunteers from Grace and other churches help us to uh, meet the needs of those who are hungry. Next slide. Ways in which you can get involved. Our community laundromat, we did a study with the State Fair of Texas and found out that there were children in the community who would not go to school because they did not have access to clean clothes. Grace, a couple of years ago, gave us a grant of $30,000, and we were able to install washers and dryers and create a laundromat, the first one in the community in over 30 years, so that residents can have a place to wash and dry their clothes. Next slide. Uh, a community market. We realized that many uh, convenience stores in the neighborhood did not provide fresh fruits and vegetables because they had a short 
shelf life and no profit margins and eggs that are 89 cents a dozen in some communities, almost three or $40 a dozen in our community, or milk, which is $1.89 in some communities, almost $5 a gallon. So we're installing and putting in a grocery store that will open hopefully later this month. Next slide. Uh, community developing initiatives, working with uh, David Dillard from your church and Greg Spittler and others, we are devising a plan to build affordable housing. We now have our first plans to put in 12 affordable housing units on the ground in that particular community so that people who have a kingdom mindset can move into the neighborhood to influence the darkness that is so prevalent. Next slide. Crossroads Academy, a school that we offer for kids 16 to 21 years old to give them an opportunity to earn their high school diploma. Next slide. An enrichment program, helping kids, many of them fought that, that perform well below, sometimes two to three grade levels below their grade level. Helping them to have the skills in reading and math skills to move them forward so that they're not always struggling and, 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 and graduation can be a reality for them. Next slide. Shalom Builders, preparing and repairing, doing minor home repair. It's since the winter storm, we've had a number of requests of elderly people to, to help them to uh, fix broken pipes and get their water back on. Next slide. King's Academy, a school that we started a couple of years ago to give kids an opportunity to have a kingdom education. This year, we are up to grade second. We're pre-K three through grade two. We'll add grade three next year. Because we believe that as we work in the lives of these young people, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Next slide. Trinity Restoration, working with men who are returning to the community from prison, mentoring them, working with employers to get them employed so that they can take care of their families. Next slide. Viola's House giving an opportunity for girls who are 16 to 21 years old, who are homeless and pregnant, but want to uh, keep the life of their own unborn baby, to have a place where they can hair their baby and raise that child in a godly environment, have the skills to raise that child. And so doing things like cooking classes and life skill classes and financial literacy classes are all a part of being a network to work with these young women to help them to have that baby in a safe environment. Next slide. If you're interested in volunteering, Allison Parker uh, is available to uh, get you engaged on next Saturday at 10.30. Uh, Kevin will be leading another tour. Many of you have been down on the tour of ways in which you, in, you can engage. But we invite you to uh, come down to see ways in which that you can engage in the life of the city. Because God has challenged us. God has really challenged us to make a difference of using your skill, your talent, your influence to touch the lives of others. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so very much.
for a church like Grace that has missions and outreach within their DNA. And we just pray that you will continue to encourage and inspire them to serve the city and to serve it well. To leave the city a better place because of their influence. We pray that this weekend that many will make a commitment to really step up and serve you in even greater ways as you move them out of their comfort zone. For it's in the name of Jesus our Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.